um, just another shout out to thank you to, they're probably all hunting, but Tim and well, I see Karen back there and Chris Wagner, they borrowed us this beautiful skid loader to help the 130 yards of chips that we moved over the last eight hours <laughs> yesterday and then on Friday. And thank you for all of those that came out to help uh, spread all that out and, and, and to, to, to make it uh, beautiful as it is. And there's probably 16 inches of chips there. So it's pretty comfy in there. And so it, the kids are able to play. They can play on there with a little bit of supervision. And that's what it's there for. But we also made it in a way that we can expand it in the spring and put some more uh, playground equipment out there. So that's for you all. I want to say a huge thank you to Alyssa. Where's Alyssa? Alyssa, she's in the back. Let's give a hand to Alyssa. She worked out the playground equipment and worked with Rhonda and others and just worked with the company. And uh, it was just a, a thank you. Thank you for all uh, that you and your husband has helped out and your family. What a tremendous, tremendous blessing. So uh, with that, let's take a moment and pray. I've actually, I chopped my message in half. So I thought you would say amen. Woo, you clap. <laughs> but there's another point I want to get to. I was praying, Lord, do I share both of these? But let's just take a moment and pray and trust the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. And Lord, we also pray for all the... Uh, church family members that are out hunting, that you protect them, keep them safe, Lord God, from harm or danger, injuring themselves or others and angels, Lord. Uh, just go forth and about with them. Pray for the service here today. Lord, I humble myself. I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Lord, give to your people what they need to hear today and encouragement Lord, help me to articulate your heart for this church. It's in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. I have a, a, a little still up here that uh, I want to uh, just show you, and it's about war in the Middle East, and I've kind of titled this today. Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll get into what I was possibly going to share all together, but I don't think we have time because we want to receive communion and have time for all of that, but I've titled this uh, mini-series, End Times Panacea, and panacea just mean solution or answer or remedy, and, and uh, there's a lot of people chiming in now on the end times, and uh, this is what's happening, and, and so let me just say this, I am not the expert. That's why you don't hear me speak about it, because I just don't know, and when the moment someone starts to predict something, come on, and it doesn't happen, you lose a lot of credibility. Let me just say that again. You lose a lot of credibility, and that's important, having credibility. And so, uh, so the question is, is this it? Is this the end of the age? Is it the end of the world? There's distinctions between that. And, and I don't actually mean like 100 years from now, but I mean like in the next few years, as some people are talking about. So this is aligned, and this is, needs to happen with Israel, and... And, you know, there's talk about the war of Gog and Magog, of some would call it Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38. And is this the culmination of all things leading to the final Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon, which actually Megiddo in that valley is pretty small. I don't see how all the world can fit in that little valley. Anyhow, is this the return of Jesus? Is it 
so near that it's at the door that it's any moment, like today we could all be gone if you're a pre-trib rapture person. Come on, somebody, amen? You know, it, it, this is the talk that's out there, and, and when I, I, I think about it, I just, I, part of me is like, okay, I, I just, just want to share a few things from my heart for, you know, as my wife and I and this church, you know, starting and, and kind of the posture. How many of you know that your worldview matters, okay? And if you have an escapism mindset, then that's going to affect your life and how you orchestrate your life. But if you have a, you know, take dominion, rule and reign and occupy till the Lord returns, that's going to give a certain set of outcomes. And uh, I know there are, it's various, as people here today, there are different beliefs and understandings, and some of you have memorized all the verses and know it, and, and you're 110% sure this is what happened. Well, good. I hope you're right. <laughs> but I'm not that sure, and I really just, I can't say affirmative that I know exactly what has happened, and I'm not going to do that to you, but I, there are some things that I do sense and, and feel, and I just want to share briefly of that, and we're going to receive communion. Is that okay today? You know, one thing I want to say is so many people are shocked by the anti-Semitism that has just engulfed the world, right? I mean, literally, people are like, oh, I'm shocked about I'm not shocked at all. The last 40 years in the universities, they've been teaching our kids, and they've been indoctrinating our kids, and they have a philosophy, a worldview that they've been instilling in our kids. And there is a spirit behind that. And Lord willing, next week, I'm going to get into it. And it's actually a, a spirit that has been unleashed, I believe, globally, not just in America. It is an oppressive spirit. It's an oppressive spirit. I don't know about you, but, you know, I talk to people and they just feel things just seem oppressive. It just seems heavy. I mean, I try to envision at times where it was warm out in the summer, come on, somebody, and you had a nice cold drink, and you were laughing with people, and it's like somehow this oppression has encompassed all of that. Like nobody, like everybody is feeling weighted down, and you have to lift up your head and go, what is going on? There is a spirit that has been unleashed with full force on America especially, but in the Middle East, and globally, we're seeing that. And, and so, so I'm not shocked about this anti-Semitism. It's there. It's a spirit. And, and, and we know that Satan hates, he hates the Jews, and he hates believers. That means you and me. He, he hates us. It's a strong word, but he hates us. And the spirit, this spirit of Hamas and Hezbollah and any other ISIS terrorist group is really linked Lord willing, and get into it next week, to this spirit of Amalek in the Old Testament. And actually, Benjamin Netanyahu recently talked about and read a verse, but we'll get into that next week, about, about Amalek and how it attacked Israel when they, they left Egypt. And it was, they weren't even bothering the Amalekites. They, 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 they didn't even have any issue with them. They were just trying to head to the promised land, and they attacked them. And it says they attacked the weak and the feeble and those that were sick. How many of you know the last three years, there's been an oppressive plague? People, come on, somebody, they feel weak. They, I mean, you, we feel like we just come out of it like, <sighs> just breathing. Can I just get some air, right? And, and, and it says they, that spirit attacks those that are weak and oppressed and sick. Am I speaking to anybody today? 
All right? So we need to wake up. We need to be alert. But I want to talk to you today, and Lord willing, get into that next week, about that we are to occupy. We are to occupy. And, and people say, well, is, is this it? Is, is this the end? Is this, um, you know, the, the final? And I, I think I mentioned an illustration maybe less, last week or whatever about birth pains and, and uh, you know, a, a woman that is giving birth. And sometimes there's false alarms and and uh, I had a situation where we did, you know, me, I wasn't carrying the baby, my wife was, but it's just like, I think this is it. And so it's the first baby. Come on, men. You know, you gotta, you gotta, this is not where you scramble for the keys. You gotta know where the car keys are. You gotta, and we were there at the hospital, and she's like, no, she's fine. She's not ready yet. Send her home. What? <laughs> it could, I mean, the baby could pop out on the way home. You sure you don't wanna leave her here for about four days? And, and it, you know, <laughs> And what am I trying to say? That, I mean, it really, it really looks like it. I mean, when you think about Lebanon and you think about Egypt now, then Iraq and Iran and Syria and, and, and just globally, people chanting for an evil, demonic organization, Hamas, chanting, you know, that we stand with them. That just, it's, it, that is pure demonic. Is anybody with me here this morning? And so, so I want to, why I don't believe this is it, and this is kind of what I'm going to jump into here and just quickly is that, and, and I could be totally missing it. But I'm just going to admit that, admit that. I could be totally missing it. But in, in Ezekiel chapter 38, which is a very uh, popular end times verse, uh, chapter 38, 37, 38, and 39, um, uh, Israel is, is, is surrounded. Um, and I want to read verse uh, uh Ezekiel 38, verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On that day, somebody shout day. Thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme, and you will say, I will invade the land of unwalled villages. Talking about Israel. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people. Talking about Israel. All of them living without walls, without gates, and without bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins, Israel, and people gathered from all the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. And so you, people say, well, is this it? Is this the end of the world? It may be the, possibly the end of days or days, and there's a difference. How many know that where you were at when 9-11 happened? Every single body that was alive. So many people, 9-11, hmm, you're only like 22 years old. You don't remember this. But for those that were adults, that were conscious, that they know exactly where they were at and what was happening. Because it was the end of the day. Things changed ever since then. Isn't that right? I can only bring three ounces of liquid. I'm going to take my toothpaste because it's six ounces. I mean, everything's changed. Security, our whole life has been changed because of that moment. And I think this is what is upon us. And be careful what I say, but it's not the end of the world. But it may be the end of the days, the way things have been going, where God's going to have the upper hand. I believe that. But I could be wrong. And I'll share a little bit of the consequences if I'm wrong in a moment. But here's the thing. This verse is talking, which uh, a number of verses, but about a people that's resettled and gathered together, a, a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls, without gates or bars. As long as I've been alive, 59 years old, 
Israel has been defending itself at war with one nation after another, after another, since becoming a nation established. It was actually Friday, May 14th, 1948. The next day, all of the Arab countries attacked them. They were at war, surrounded, walls. There's walls that they're trying to protect their country, and they're not living in peace. Saturday, May 15th, the Arab-Israeli war started with Egypt. Transjordan, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, they all attacked Israel's independence the next day. And war has been ever since. Scripture goes on to say, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, this is what the sovereign Lord says, in that day when my people, Israel, are living in safety, you will take notice of it. Now, here's the thing. They're constantly at war, six-day war. The 1948 war, there's been constant battles. Hezbollah has been launching into the West Bank from the West Bank into Israel. It's, it's almost something that occurs constantly. And so I don't see this as the end of the world. I do see that there's a major change happening, and I'm going to believe it for good. But this verse is talking about that they are living in a time and a season of peace, and there's no walls, there's safety, and there's all that good feeling. So, now here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are just projecting and, and, and predicting again. And I've had my fill of that. Many of you have too over the last 40 plus years of my life. Um, and especially with the rapture, I grew up uh, under Tim LaHaye, late great planet Earth. I grew up with, you know, the pre-trib uh, rapture teaching and and I'm not anti-rapture per se. It's just I, I don't know. I hope the rapture is true. <laughs> but my feeling is, is that we're going to go through some stuff. We're gonna go, we are going through stuff. We're going through some stuff. And, and I believe, and this is really going to be the end of my message, that God is coming back for an overcoming church, not a hiding church. That, 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 that's just my feeling, Okay. That, that's just my sense. And once again, I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm not the prophetic guy. But, but if I'm wrong about the rapture not happening soon or, or this isn't it, you know, this guy's off. He doesn't know. This isn't it or the second coming or the last trumpet, which the Scripture talks about, that, it's, that, that this is, you know, that it's not happening now and I'm wrong about it, nobody will care because we'll be in heaven. So some of you may come up to me in heaven and like, hey, dude, you were wrong. We're in heaven. <laughs> I got nothing to lose. But if you predict something that doesn't happen, you have a lot more to lose than I do. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is not returning. He's returning. I feel there's so much more that needs to be done for the kingdom, for God's purposes, for souls to be saved. The this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the earth. As a witness, as a testimony, that doesn't mean everybody gets saved. That doesn't mean everyone's going to get born again. But there needs to be a testimony, a witness of the gospel. I believe in every native tongue, every community, every nation. No matter how immoral, amoral that country is, the gospel, there needs to be a gospel representation. And some say, well, Jesus still could come back without that. Someone told me one time that, and I said, you know, this is the mandate. This is our heavenly mandate. He said, well, the church isn't that strong. God isn't waiting for the church to get the gospel in all the world. He could do whatever he wants. I said, well, 
How powerful is your bride? All the men just keep looking straight forward. Amen? <laughs> and God loves his bride, and we are his bride. Amen? And the bride is powerful because he empowers us. Amen? By his spirit. And so uh, I, I still believe that, that that's, that's the heavenly mandate. So, but nobody will care, you know. But here's the thing about uh, uh, the issue I have with all of this, you know, this date setting, and it really is a credibility issue, and um, they keep moving the goalpost. Do you, do you hear what I mean? This is it. This is the, and they, it didn't happen. And so you see those people again, and they smile like, well, you know, the goalpost keeps getting moved. And, you know, if someone would have said to me, I'm, I'm, I'm being very honest, as a young kid growing up in all this in the, in the, in the mid-80s, that if, if, if the rapture was not real or if this teaching, this, 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 if it was not real, I would have been pretty upset with you. I'd have been really upset. Like, who is it? Who do you think? You know nothing. This is the only way. No, it's not. There's God's way. There's the Lord's way. Back in 1988, my wife and I, we attended Christ of the Nations. That's 35 years ago. There was a guy named Edgar C. Weisenhardt. He was a former NASA engineer and Bible school student. And he predicted, now watch this, that the rapture would occur in 1988, sometime between September 11th and September 13th. This was back in 1988. And so he published two books about it, and I actually bought the book. I can't find it now, but <laughs> uh, Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988, published a book, and then On Borrowed Time. I remember this because I was in Bible school. It was an upheaval. We were all thinking, boy, this is it. Now this book comes out. <clears throat> 4.5 million copies were sold. He gave some of them away in book in bookstores, and this blows my mind. This is his statement. You can Google this. This is a fact. Weisenhut was quoted as saying this, if only if the Bible is in error, am I wrong? This is the spirit I feel when people start predicting things. There's an aura of pride behind that. Look at me. I know. I have the answer. And that, let me tell you something, that affects people. You better, that people that don't know are like, because they don't know the word. And anyhow, he says, only if the Bible is in error, am I wrong? This is scary even saying. And then he says, and I say that to every preacher in town. <laughs> and if there were a king in this country and I could gamble with my life, I would stake my life on Rosh Hashanah, 1988. The rapture will happen. Okay, neighbors, if you're still here, <laughs> sorry, Edgar, you were wrong. He didn't quit with that. If I did that and wrote a book, I would be hiding in a cave somewhere, <laughs> right? Not this guy. He goes on, and he keeps predicting. Oops, I'm sorry, 1989. Didn't happen then. 1993, then he wrote 23 reasons why in 93, but not the 88. And then in 1994, he said the earth is going to be destroyed by a nuclear bomb. He died in 2001. We are still here. And I'm sharing that because there are hundreds and hundreds of predictions that date back from 70 AD. 
If you go through, you could just, you could Google it. Men like just in, in, in over the last generation, Hal Lindsey, the late great planet Earth. Some of you have read every single book, volumes of all what he taught. Jerry Falwell, Tim LaHaye. How many remember Y2K? Some of you still have generators. Yeah. Some of you still have dry food from that one, right? <laughs> like, oh, we better eat this stuff. It's starting to rot. I know I'm being sarcastic right now, but I'm doing it for a reason. This affects people, and what happens, what I believe is the church, when we got our head in the sand, we don't think about evangelism. We don't think about ministering to people, saving souls. We just think about packing our rapture bags and leaving here. Preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. Amen? And so all of these predictions at Harold Camping in 2011, they came to the old church building television station. Because he predicted a certain date in September, it was the end. And so they interviewed me, and the first words out of the mouth were, the guys got it wrong. And it made it that evening news. And you know what? I said, we will still be here in a year from now. And that was back in 2011. And so then, I don't know if you remember the Mayan apocalypse of 2012. Then there was predictions in 2017. There was recent predictions in 2021. And actually, I think there was another prediction that September 2023 is it. Well, here we are in November. <laughs> Um, and then, well, now it's maybe December 2023. Merry Christmas to you all. <laughs> There's so many predictions flying around, and I think it's to keep us, get us off focus. What's the real thing? And, you know, the Bible says pride comes before the fall. Pride precedes destruction, and an arrogant spirit appears before a fall. In you know, so my counsel with all these predictions and all of that is, okay, chalk it up. If I'm wrong, I'll meet you in heaven. We'll work that out over a cup of good cup of coffee. Amen? <clears throat> I'll say I'm sorry. I'll admit it. I, I, was, I was wrong. You can all line up. You've got to go see Pastor Mike in heaven. You know, he blew it here on earth. We're all in heaven. Shake my hand. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But whew, we are in a nice place right now. <clears throat> but the thing about it is, is it, it, with people that make these predictions and they orchestrate their whole lives in their family. My dad did this. God bless him. He had a tribulation closet. This is back in 1979. And we were like, Dad, eight Italian kids, why is it full of coffee and lima beans? Well, the tribute, the rapture. He would buy lima beans. Remember those white big cans? Of, I'm like, how are we going to live off of that? <laughs> you know? But he sure made sure he had coffee in the basement. And so, anyhow... I mean, it just affects people's lives and they do things. Now, some of you might have the underground storage units, you know, and you, you fall out shelters, you know, because they said, what happens when people are starving and they know you got the shelter? Anyhow, uh, moving right along, I'm kind of digressing. We're going to have communion here in a moment, bring some spirituality to all of this. And so I, I, I do, though, when, when, when this happens, I think you should really, in, an, in a life-giving way, if you're feeding and listening to this stuff and, and, and it doesn't happen in the time frame, you need to call them on that. You need to take notice of that. I'm not saying be mean. You're just like, wait a minute, wait, wait. You said this. This didn't happen. There's a credibility issue. Amen? I actually heard, I was with the national leader one time, wife and I, it was actually Ted Haggard, many, many years ago. And um, he said this in a conference where they were pastors back in uh, uh, early 2000s, and he said, uh, he said, everything written up to this day, that day, or you could say everything written up to 
the 5th of November, 2023. How many are alive this morning? Say amen. Everything written that predicted Jesus would come before this day is a lie. Pastor, wow, you just sit there from the pulpit. I sure did. So it didn't happen. So I know it doesn't sit well with us, but it's a lie. It didn't happen. I don't, they weren't maybe trying to lie, but it didn't happen. It's not a truth. How many with me say amen? And so Matthew 24, I'm going to close here. Matthew 24, uh, verses 36 to 47. Jesus said, but of that exact day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son in his humanity. Jesus knows now. He's in heaven. With the, but on earth, it's in his humanity. But the Father alone. And so here's the admonition. Ready? Be alert. Did you hear that? Be alert, church. Don't be asleep spiritually. Wake up. Be alert spiritually. Give strict attention. Be cautious. Be active in faith. For you do not know which day, whether near or far, your Lord is coming. This is what he's saying. Who then, and this is what I love, is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of what? His household. What is his household? It's the kingdom of God. It's the church. It's the people of God. And to do this, to give the others in the house, that's the church, I believe, their food and supplies, that's the word of God, that's care, that's the gifts of the Spirit. Am I speaking to anybody? Who is faithful? What servant is that I put in charge of his household to give the others of the house their food, their supplies at the proper time? Blessed is that faithful servant when his master returns, what? To find him doing so. Verse 47, I assure you and most solemnly say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Stand with me if you would, please. When Jesus comes back for his church, watch this now, he's not coming back for a bride that's hiding in the cave. Amen? He, he is not, in other words, Jesus is not coming back for a cave woman. Right? That we're not cave women. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's called us to overcome, to occupy, to rule and reign on behalf of our master, the king. You know, I don't know why. I just felt I dug in a little bit of a cave woman. You know, cave women, they're nasty. They don't shower. They don't brush their teeth. Come on, somebody. They wear raggedy clothes. Their hair's a mess. They stink. Jesus is not coming back for a cave woman. He's coming back for an overcoming church. Not a defeated church. I know that might not sit well with some of you. Because you know what? It's really, when things are tough and there's oppression and there's heaviness, we just, we want out of here. Right? Take us, Lord. Just get us out. Yes, get us out of here. It would be so nice to just be gone. But we got work to do. I said, you have work to do. And, you're, and we're not here just for us now, but for our children's children. Come on, somebody. We, we don't know the day or hour, but we are to occupy. Jesus is not coming back for a defeated bride. He is coming back for an overcoming bride. And she's not going to be cowering in fear, hiding in a cave. She's going to be on the front lines doing the kingdom work. That's what I believe. 
Well, Pastor Mike, you could be wrong. I know I can, but I'm gonna live my life and we're gonna continue to reach nations. We're gonna support missions. We're gonna support missionaries. We're gonna further the kingdom. We're gonna look after our children. Lord willing, if we build a children's wing, that's the will of the Lord, we'll do that. We'll steward kids. We'll raise them up to love Jesus. Not to have an escapism, pack your bags mindset. I don't mean to be mean about that, but it's what I grew up with, and it, that, that teaching has affected. So there are people in here that have taught, that have, no, they've said, I refuse to invest in certain things. I've allowed fear. I've just, it, 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 that teaching has crippled my mind from furthering to, to go get an education. I know people that refuse to go to college back in the 80s because Jesus is coming back any moment. Come on, people. Come on, people. Jesus is not coming back for a cave woman. Every eye closed, if you would, please, here this morning. I know I just shared a lot with you. I don't want you to feel overwhelmed, but I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged. In spite of what's happening in the world right now, in the craziness, the fear, the war, things are like a powder keg in the Middle East. I'm not saying that life is going to be hunky-dory. I believe a lot of these things, let me just say it this way. I pray it doesn't happen, but I just sense in my spirit the state of America, at least half of the country, in the demonic spirit that has gripped so many young people. I just, Lord, I just pray for mercy on our country. Mercy on our country. Mercy. Luke. 19, 11 to 13, we're going to receive communion. It's the parable of the 10 minus. And while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And it says this, and they assumed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Wow. It's like today. Gotta happen. Gotta be happening. As soon as he reached the city. So Jesus said, and he shares in this parable, and he, he, he aligns them. He says, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to lay claim to his kingship and then return. Beforehand, he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minors. He said this, conduct business with this until I return, he said. What does that mean, conduct business until I return? Exodus, the Greek word, pragmatoyomehe. It means to busy oneself about the kingdom to administrate, to carry on the business of the kingdom of God. Or like it uses in this context, a banker, a trader, capital. Actually, one, con one verse says, to bear much fruit. Jesus said, you're thinking about any moment eminent, but I want you to occupy. I want you to look for my return, but I don't want you to be packing rapture bags. I want you to look for my return, but I want you to further my kingdom. What does that mean? Friends, we are called to carry on God's purpose here on earth, our Jerusalem, to occupy till he comes, to be about his church and his kingdom purposes. What does that mean? That means further his kingdom. That means sending missionaries on the mission field, supporting churches and missions, preaching the gospel, and continue to pray for the sick and 
and minister life to people and share your faith. And hey, get married, have kids, grow a family, raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Serve the purpose of God in your life now is what I take Jesus was saying. I'll return. You'll be ready in that moment. With every head bowed, you say, Pastor, I, I am not right in this moment. I just, I'm afraid. And I need Jesus in my life. Well, sir, ma'am, young person, came to the right place today. Why? Not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross 2,000 years ago. He's provided a way and a means of salvation for you. Your first response is to repent and believe the good news. You're here this morning as a pastor. I need to get right with the Lord with every head bowed. I'd like to lead us corporately in a prayer, but if that's you, the Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. You surrender your life to Christ. You recognize yourself as a sinner and you need cleansing. And you surrender the reins of your will and say, God, take my life now. Live within me and cleanse me. If that's you, let's pray together. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, wash me. Cleanse me. I give you my life today. Now take it. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.